morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. Steve Williamson here, or at least I think I'm here. <laughs> Sitting across from me is, is a co-host, Karen. You want to say hello to uh, Good us? morning, everyone. And we have with us, and we're not going to let him speak for the next hour, but we have Scott Jablo, who's a, can- a candidate for mayor. Um, Scott's the uh, vice mayor now, and I c- keep thinking of you as a councilman. I keep forgetting that you're the vice mayor, Scott. Before we got get going with the show, we did want to talk a bit, bit about our supporters, and, and uh, which we very, very much appreciate the last uh, fundraiser that we did. It was, it was amazing, and, and I know a, a lot of people were there. Um, Dora's doing something different this year, and we had uh, Steve Hanks on before. This is the last day. I think they might you might be able to get an extension for the golf. Uh, scramble. Um, it's at the Canyon Mesa Country Club, really beautiful place. Nine course, so it's not going to be you're not going to be there forever. Um, nine holes, and it's uh, sponsored by um, uh, Steve Hanks and uh, the uh, Sedona uh, Democratic uh, uh, Democrats of the Red Rock. It's ninety dollars a player. Tee off is at eight thirty a.m. A check-in is a little earlier. Um, it's a nine-hole scramble, which they explained to us. It sounds like fun. Today is the last day to register, except I think there'll be an extension. So if you folks, if you folks really want to play golf in this in this program, it sounds really like a lot of fun. If you know which end of the golf club you hit the ball with, which um, I don't, I you know I watch golf on TV in order to go to sleep quickly. Yes. Um, um, I don't know if there's that much else to say about it. Check the DOOR website. DOOR website is the best place to check out oncoming events. And DOOR has a breakfast yeah. coming up. Yeah. Uh, the third can. Thursday of every month, um, they've got DOOR breakfast. Obviously, this time of the year, lots of those involve candidates. If you miss one, and DOOR has a YouTube channel. So you go to YouTube and search for Democrats of the Red Rocks. You can watch past breakfast. Um, Scott Jabla was on the most recent one. So were a number of other people running as local candidates in the area. So we've, they've had people on there running for state legislature in our district, um, also in some of the surrounding areas because we do have members who are not strictly in, just in Sedona and the Verde Valley. But you can go to the, Demo, you know, the YouTube channel and you can catch all the past breakfasts. And obviously, just like our radio show between now and November, we're all going to be trying to get all the candidates on at some point. So it's a good chance to listen to them talk about maybe about local issues and catch up on them. Um, they're also now we're hitting the point of starting to see fundraisers for candidates. Yeah. Um, Dora had the fundraiser la- uh, last week for Chris Mays on July 8th. I'm hosting a fundraiser for Martin Quezada, who is the Democrat running for state treasurer. He has no primary opposition. I believe the same day in Rimrock, there's also a fundraiser for Tom O'Halloran. So it just start to look around. If you're interested in candidates, um, a good way is to go to their website and just send a message, and they'll tell you where they're going to be. Yeah. So we're having at least uh, four weeks of, uh, of candidate interviews. The first one is with Scott here. Next week we're going to have uh, Mayor Sandy Moriarty 
Then we're going to have two candidates for city council. Um, and then we'll have uh, a break, I think, on the 4th of July. We'll do something different. And then that next uh, uh, week, uh, we'll have two more candidates, JT and uh, Melissa Dunn. Um, so the candidate season is upon us, and we're yep. going to be having candidates on here. And we're starting off with Scott. And um, I don't know where to kind of start, Scott. Um, um, uh, give us a little bit about your background for folks that don't know. Good morning, Steve, and everybody out in Sedona. I appreciate the opportunity to speak this morning. And um, a little bit about myself. I moved here in 2010 after retiring from a, a 31-year career in law enforcement back in New York, working for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Um, I came to Sedona to enjoy all that uh, Sedona had to offer us, and I quickly learned that um, everybody wants to take from Sedona, the federal government with the Forest Service, the state with their implementation of different rules and regulations. And I sat back and I watched, and I was able to, in 2012, uh, I got involved in the fire district governing board. I was elected to the, the governing board for a few years. And in 2014, I was elected to this, uh, Sedona uh, Council. And I was really able to learn there how much people are taking from Sedona. And it just made me want to do more and more to help our community. So that's a lot of experience in Sedona City government. I don't know anybody who has much more than that. Maybe uh, uh, your opponent, I don't know. Um, you're the vice mayor. What, is, what does that mean? You're not the mayor of vice, that old joke. But <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> You've probably heard that one ever since you got the job. Yes. Well, basically I'm a heartbeat away from the mayor, uh, just like a vice president. You need someone there as a, for redundancy in case something, something should happen to really run the meetings to help uh, 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 in her place, and that's what I've been prepared to do. So I, I sit next to her at all meetings, and, but the mayor runs the show. Let's go to home rule, and can you explain home rule for folks? Because we, we have this debate every few years, and if home rule were to fail, it would be disastrous, I think, for city government. Right. So explain a little bit how it works, and I don't know why the uh, legislature put this in years ago, but it was probably their idea of controlling cities. I believe that's what it is, and that's something that uh, Arizona State really likes to do is control their cities. But this was done many, many years ago. And Sedona is a really atypical city. It's a city without any property tax. Most of the revenue comes from tourists, right? Right. Uh, 80%, approximately 80% comes from tourists, 20%, of course, from our residents. I do think people, after the 10 years on air, are getting the point that they're not paying a lot of taxes to Sedona city government. I don't see a lot of the letters to the editor and stuff to say, I'm a taxpayer of Sedona. And oh, you do. No, we get letters like that all the time. New people still, come here. Still still, getting? Well, they're new, new residents who move here from other places because it's, it's quite unique. Let me ask you a kind of leading question. Why do people, why do we have so many people, and some of them are running for office, who move here and think they know everything? And when they arrived like last year, Right. Well, well you have, you're, you've been here for almost, what, almost 20 years. Now. Well, I'm here uh, 12, 12 years, but I've owned for about 18. Yeah. So it's a very unique place. 
in the fact that we have a different kind of government. We have a uh, city manager form of government uh, as opposed to uh, a strong mayor government. And the difference is, is very unique. Uh, and I believe someone had told me that it changes somewhere west of the Mississippi. And most of the cities and towns, if not, I'm not sure all of the cities and towns in Arizona have this form of government. And I believe, in, from what I know, because I was involved as a resident and a community leader back in New York, uh, east of uh, the Mississippi, you tend to have a little bit more corruption. And I find that not to be the case here because we have a professional management team. We have professional staff. We don't have an elected person who may or may not have the qualifications to be a mayor, to run a budget, to, to know how to do anything, to run parks and rec, to run highways. So we hire a professional manager who's trained in municipal government. We hire a city attorney who's trained legal affairs for municipal government, and we hire the judge. Those are the only two people that we're responsible for. And the fact is that those people in particular run their staff professionally. And we're in a position now where we have professionals, although the community doesn't seem to feel so because they come from another place, like you said before. They know better. And yet we hire the staff that knows exactly what they're doing. There's um, – I'm always astonished that uh, – that people come along and talk about corruption in Sedona. I've lived here since 2003. I've seen conservatives. I've seen Republicans. I've seen Democrats. I've seen super liberals. I've never seen any corruption in city government. There just isn't any. So, folks, when people are telling you about corruption in Sedona city government, they're really not telling you accurately what the facts are. Yeah, because that sort of city council manager form of government means that the mayor really doesn't have any more power in most ways than any of the other people. He's just one of seven. They have some administ- some duties. So given that, why do you want to run for mayor, and what does make the mayor's position different than the councilman in Sedona and what your day-to-day operation would be? Well, let's start from uh, the council meeting. The mayor runs the meeting, and she organizes everything. Okay, that's in front of the public. Uh, the mayor will have some administrative uh, issues to take care of, like... Uh, uh, ribbon cuttings and such, which are very important to our city because, to me, it's welcoming new businesses mm-hmm. and letting people know that we have a new business in town. So it's giving them a little bit of fanfare, a little bit of a step up to make them recognized. Um, and you don't have any problem with doing that sort of public job, part of the, the mayor's job, of showing up for all these ceremonies and ribbon cuttings and, no. uh, say, a new memorial is set up. That you, you'll, that That's something that you... you feel that you're, in your heart is something you can do. Oh, very You're much. interested in doing Yes. And it's something that I've actually been going above and beyond for the past eight years that I've been on council. I've been engaging with HOAs. I've been engaging with businesses. I sit down and have coffee with people all the time because I feel that the mayor should be engaged with the community. The mayor should be really have the, 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 the proverbial uh, finger on the pulse and know what's going on throughout the entire city. You're not going to know everything. But you need to know as much as you possibly can. You have to be out in the public's eye. You know, like I said, ribbon cuttings are great. They're important. But that's, you know, that's only a small part of it. We have to engage. And I have been doing that. Uh, I've done something unique that I actually learned back when I told you before I was a community leader back in New York. Uh, I learned from um, my councilman, my town councilman there, you need to engage. So when people uh, email me, I, have them, uh, I will call them back. 
or I'll have them call me. I'm very open about putting my home phone number out into the public all over the place. Call me. I want to hear what people have to say, and I truly mean that. I've said to people for years, my phone's available 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. seven days a week, and I want to engage with people. So I think that that's worked for me. Uh, when I've now I've been going door to door campaigning, people said, "Oh, you called me about whatever tap topic, home rule. Mm-hmm. You called me about uh, the Tlacopaki traffic," and I've been doing that. Let's let's talk about home rule. We got off the subject. Yeah. Uh, Give us like the thirty talk. second thirty second description <laughs> 30 of, of what it of what it is why and what pe- is so important and why and what and people will be voting for in November. Why on that anyone issue. would yeah. be against it is is um, I mean is it is some sort of ideology or or they hate the city and they I don't know what why you would why you would oppose it well some people have the misnomer that if we don't have home rule the public can vote on everything we do and yet good lord <laughs> can you imagine just take it to the higher, highest level the federal government wouldn't be able to do anything until all the public voted on everything that they do it doesn't make sense. The public votes for a council. They vote for a mayor. And that's the government. We're, we represent the public. And that's why I'm out there really representing the public and speaking with people. But it's a misnomer, the fact that we couldn't even run anything. Uh, without home rule, it, it's interesting for people of my demographic, the, uh, uh, the term austerity budget comes to mind, where you can only – function with the bare minimum, which is, would be set by the state, which is from back in the 80s. They came up with a number. It would have some uh, uh, cost of living uh, elevators in there, but we would be cut dramatically. So there would be so many services. Basically, everything would be reduced except for uh, some police, our wastewater treatment, and a few staff. Nothing would be able to be done anymore. What about the people who are saying online, and of course... What gets said online is, I don't know what to say about it, but um, who say that uh, it won't, won't have any effect. That everything will be just fine if we vote against home rule. Right. That nothing will change. Well, everything will change. Okay. But the, the biggest thing that people will realize very quickly, we have money coming in. We run our city on a sales tax. People do not have a property tax in Sedona, which is very unique. And what's nice, everybody... It's not nice that people complain about the tourists, but it's, people complain about the tourists, but they may, may not realize the tourist brings 80% of our income, 80%. And if, if that wasn't true, then uh, the people in the, the city who, who would have to pick up the tab, right? Right. So when we get in, buy a new police car, the, the community pays 20% of that. The tourists are very nice. They come here. They enjoy, unfortunately, they enjoy the hell out of our city. <laughs> But they leave their sales tax and leave, and they don't come back maybe for another year or two. Or they move here, and or then they, they hate here. tourists. And then they hate tourists. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Isn't that true, Scott? <laughs> I mean, everybody that you meet, with the exception of a few people, almost nobody was born in Sedona. When I, I know came few. here 20 years ago, I, could, I found one woman who was born in Sedona, and that was it. Everybody else, <laughs> was, part of it was the fact that the hospital was down in Cottonwood, of course. Yeah, right. But I don't want to. Lie to you, but um, what if we haven't gotten the word out about tourists paying most of the taxes now? Will we ever be able to explain it 
do people still ask you when you're campaigning, if you go door to door, about the economics of the council? They do. Uh, but I want to go back one more thing about home rule. Yeah, which do, I think do is very talk important. about it. Okay. But people have to understand is because we raise our money through sales tax, if we were to lose home rule, all that money continues to come in, virtually allowing us to we'd have we'd be sitting on millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, and we couldn't spend it. It would be sitting there. So I always use the example of uh, at a wastewater treatment plant, one pump would be a hundred something thousand dollars. We would have to go out and and take a loan out while sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank, take a loan out, pay high interest, and have to pay it off while we're sitting on this money. It doesn't really make sense. We've also committed to a, a new transportation system. We're working on workforce housing. All these projects won't be able to be funded. And it doesn't mean that our that any individual person's taxes drop if home rule fails. No, not at all. Not at, that's not yeah, our, it's, our taxes not tied would, together that way. Right, yeah. Our taxes would not drop at yeah. all. So there's people who favor this when it seems to make no sense. I guess they just don't want, no matter how much money Sedona has, they don't want the money spent for some reason on anything. There are other people who are saying we should pay off our debt, except that our debt is. Uh, accumulated on very low interest rates, and we're now going into a inflationary system. So I'll tell you, folks, logically, that is the worst thing you can do to rush to pay off a debt when the but inflation is increasing and you have a very low interest rate. Exactly. Exactly. It, it would really put us in a financial bind to do this. And you ask, why would people say this? Well, the people I know, they have an agenda. They don't like one project or another. And if we don't fund uh, the budget, or we t- remove home rule, mm. we would lose, I'm not going to mention anything, but there's some items that people don't like. And there's other ways of doing it, but they say, oh, well, uh, the Humane Society and the, the Senior Center, they won't be affected. You'll still be able to give money to these organizations. And that couldn't be anything further from the truth. Austerity budget means a bare minimum. These things would have to stop. And everybody in the city would suffer unless you're more affluent and you, you turn your back to the organizations that really contribute to us. city. you make us really to have a, a city here. We do have a problem with that. I mean, people retire here. They've made their money somewhere else. And it takes them a while to become engaged in the Sedona community. And I think it's a little disturbing, at least to me, on when I go on, on social media like Nextdoor, to see the absolute ignorance with people talking from. They have all these ideas and stuff that have been gone over and over. Um, my favorite is this denunciation of a particular house that they want the city to do something about because they don't like the way it looks. And they, they, and they say the city has dark skies that should go do something about it. And we go on and we explain over and over again, it's not in the city limits. The city can't do anything about it. Well, that's always been an issue between the that lots of us. I've been here for 35 years now, and I live in the village of Oak Creek outside the city limits. I've watched the, the, the city votes on incorporation and some of the ones before I moved here. I, my parents lived here, and, and there were votes then where the Red Rock Loop Road area and the village of Oak Creek withdrew themselves from any consideration of incorporation and this, the people wanted incorporation took that in because they knew they wouldn't win with those sort of areas that have a ge- geographical remoteness and a little bit different character. But but the issues, some of those for 35 years have been the same, and it's partially because we do have 
since we have a lot of retirees that automatically, unfortunately, means a degree of transience that people move here, some move away to uh, you know to go to bigger cities, some people pass away. So there's a continual flow of new people coming in, as you say, coming from places without this style of government, coming from places where the the whole idea of the home rule is a foreign idea, because in lots of places the city says decides what they're going to spend, and then they pass taxes of some kind to get that money, unlike Arizona where you have these baseline things. The school district works the same way where the state sort of says, this is your baseline money. You have to go out and ask the public to spend more money, and that's what home rule has been. And it would be a huge drop in the budget because all of these Arizona rules are based pretty much on 1980 sort of figures. And the state of Arizona, I don't know, tripled, quadrupled, hugely grown in size everywhere. Not and they're based in on that time. towns and cities that are growing. And Sedona yeah. is, and actually the population is growing down. So some of the formula that would would, would increase things a bit. Yeah. Let's turn it. I know that you're campaigning on ATVs, which is one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> what? People say the city should ban ATVs and stuff. What can the city actually do? Because, as I understand it, the legislature has decided in Arizona that ATVs are street legal, right? I mean, that's fundamental. I mean, you go to another, you go to, uh, I think it's California, Hawaii, a bunch of other states. They're not street legal. You have to haul them someplace and then get out and then drive them. Here they're street legal. So can the city do anything about it? Because, well, you know, right. they're tearing up the landscape. <laughs> they, and they're doing a lot of damage here. <laughs> and it's easy to say, and we, we could uh, impose a restriction on our city streets, but that has to hold up in court. It's easy to say, well, you can ban them right now. Well, until it gets to court and it gets overturned or now somebody turns around and sues us. Okay, so what we have done, the city council has approved to do an environmental impact study. And now once we're done, I should back up and say that impact study will be within the city limits, adjacent to the Forest Service lands, and into the 525 area and adjacent areas to that. Once we have this, this information, which I'm told would take between six and nine months only to do this impact study. People are saying it's going to take five years, ten years. That's not the case. Just a few months. Now, if we get challenged in court, we will have a piece of paper, documentation, that says this is doing damage to us. Okay? So that's one thing that we're looking to do, but all these things take time. Unfortunately, people in Sedona don't have the wherewithal to sit back and wait to do it legal. Everybody wants to, to, to um, go after somebody for doing something until they were going after them. And we don't want the city just to pass something that basically it would – would absolutely not stand up by the state. It would be, right. it would be taking somebody's property or, or damaging their business without being able to prove there's a reason to, to do anything. Um, and and I, I, people seem so anxious to, to, to tie us up in all kinds of expensive lawsuits when it's much more sensible to do the kind of thing that you're talking about. Right. Well, and Steve, that, that's very true. Uh, people don't seem to think things through. Uh, as a council and as a because we have a city attorney, which he he works for the council. OK, and he he's to keep us legal and he's a he's our watchful eye and he does a great job in doing that. But we do everything the way we're supposed to do, not by the way, you know, the, just because people yell at us and scream at us, do this, do that. We'll follow the law 
and wherever the law takes us is the proper way to do it because that's the way Arizona is. That's the way any other state is. You have to follow the law to do it legal. I think people actually, Scott, don't understand that there's a difference between what you want and what you can do legally. Uh, I may not like to place uh, next uh, door to us across the street because they have an Airbnb now and because as, you, the, as the people arrive, they drive up the driveway really fast and make a bunch of noise. I may not like that, but it's not illegal. I can't do anything about it. Right. Uh, and I think folks have to begin to be more cl- be clearer about things they don't like and things they don't like that are illegal. There is a big difference between the process of law, which you guys mm-hmm. have to do all the time, and just wanting something like, I want ATVs to just go away. Scott, if there was never another ATV in Sedona, I would be very glad of that. But I, but we can't just ban them, right? Right. And, you know, that's another thing that people think we have, I it's believe, five or six different storefronts. They are zoned for businesses. We don't zone for, well, we have enough ATV businesses. We have enough restaurants of a particular type. I don't want to mention any particular type, but it, the, the storefronts are zoned commercial, usually C2, commercial 2. There are auto mechanics. That's what goes into an ATV place. You can't just say, oh, we have enough of that. Okay, again, we, we would get sued. So there's other ways of doing things, and we could change our uh, zoning codes for future uh, businesses and future locations, but those that are already there would be grandfathered in. So you, you can't say we have enough restaurants, no more restaurants. Correct. Because, because that would be unfair to someone coming in and trying to set up a restaurant. Is that, is that right? Well, or as, as or long a as grocery as, store or a drugstore, uh, whatever. As long as the location that's desired by the uh, applicant, if you will, is zoned for that. Okay, if people complain about uh, the Tlacopaki North and they say, how dare you allow that to be built? Well, it was zone commercial two. They put a commercial two type business there. They had the right. If it was not zone commercial two, say it was residential. Now you have a way of denying it. It's legal. It's following the law. And that's the way the mm-hmm. entire city runs. So along 89A and the 89A corridor, we have a lot of commercial properties. If somebody wants to put a restaurant in a home, well, that's a different story. But otherwise, you, you really have a hard time stopping them. Yeah, and some of that, again, some of that zoning, a lot of it is the city. It's not always the city. And in Sedona, it's hard for people to remember that you've got the city of Sedona. Outside the city of Sedona, you've got Yavapai County, right. which has got its own planning and zoning ordinances, which are not exactly the same as the city. There's a lot of similarities, but they could be slightly different as to what's allowed in certain areas. And then you've got a land that belongs to the Forest Service, which obviously you can't do hardly anything on in the sort of commercial. But people forget they've got all these different areas of government. And then you've got the state of Arizona and the legislature who sits there and passes a law that says, oh, all of you cities and towns, you can no longer regulate an Airbnb, someone who wants to sell their rent their property out by the night. It's perfectly legal unless your homeowner says, says no. And then they complain to the city. And it's so there's things where 
the city's the wrong place to to complain to if you want to change that law or you want to change a law about uh, allowing ATVs to be street legal. That's the state of Arizona that has to make those changes. Exactly. Not, exactly. Not I see council. people ranting at you yeah. at the city council, not you personally, <laughs> Scott, but well, rant uh, about about those issues that you can't do anything about that are state issues. Yeah, so right. ATVs and the Airbnb situation. And for folks who haven't been here very long, when the city had control of it, they banned Airbnb. So yelling and screaming at them because there's Airbnbs is not exactly fair. I do want to go back to the ATVs for just one second to to show where my mind is at. Being in law enforcement for over 30 years, I have the mindset of let's find a way to do something different. And I was told a couple of months ago, almost a year ago, by somebody from the Forest Service that, well – we have to let them on our far, into our forests because they're legal on the roads. I asked the question, why is it some states, and I think California is one of them, that have to, you, people have to trailer them to the forest, and the forest has to allow for parking of the trailers. I said, why is it you don't have that here? And I was told, because Arizona allows them. So I started thinking about that, and I actually reached out to one of our uh, representatives in Prescott uh, Valley, and I said, we need to change the law. Arizona allows them on our streets, but yet they're really not street legal. They don't have directional signals. Their bumpers don't align. Okay, there's other mechanical, uh, the, the mufflers are louder than a motorcycle, and yet ATVs are really, there's not a classification for ATVs, they're classified as motorcycles. So, uh, I, and my numbers may be off a little bit. I believe the muffler on an ATV is at 93, 95 decibels. Motorcycles are in the 80s. Well, then, then, then they're not a motorcycle. So why are you allowed, allowing them to be registered? And this representative is very interested in moving forward with some legislation. I also did some more uh, deep dive into uh, the thought of changing the legislation, and I contacted with this, the council's approval because I can't represent the city or the council on my own without getting their approval because we work as a body of elected officials as seven. So I got, had approval to go to our League of Cities and Towns, which is our, our representative for such uh, changes and actions, and I said, these are the issues, and they don't really qualify as a – Uh, a motor vehicle or a motorcycle or an ATV, and they're not really street legal in many other states. Why are they uh, legal here? Now, the League of Seas and Towns is now looking at it. They have a committee that they're going to be uh, dialing down a little bit more to see if it could play out, and then they would move it forward to possible state legislation in the future. But that's something new that I, I started doing. That's a great uh, – because when I looked, I thought, well, maybe you can – I haven't talked to the um, 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 chief of police and said, maybe you can regulate these based on the loudness. But I hike above the uh, road, above Dry Creek. The problem is the trucks are even as loud, if not louder, than – the, and we can't ban the trucks who are hauling everything out to the different resorts and stuff. Um, they're as loud as the ATVs. But it, ATVs are noticeable. If you're above them, you hear an ATV is going to be two or three times, feel like at least it's two or three times louder than the, a normal car. Well, Steve, be careful what you wish for. Now, the reason I say that is the future of ATVs is scary, very, very scary. The future is all electric. And think about that. An electric motor. No noise. <laughs> no noise. But there'll be 
substantially more powerful. They will have, and I've, I've gotten this information from the ATV companies in town, they will be equivalent to 500, what is it, uh, engines reg regulated at, um, horsepower, 500 horsepower, which is equal to a Corvette engine on a tiny little ATV, but they can be regulated, they, can, they would be electronically governed down. Okay, but that, that, that doesn't mean they have to be. And if they're privately owned, they won't be. So you won't hear them coming except for the grinding of the dirt, and they'll be ripping up our forest even more. This is what is coming with the next five years. As I mentioned before, we used to take um, folks out to the area where the air TV, ATVs are roaring around and tearing up the landscape as a meditative experience at sunset. <laughs> we used to go out, you know, and, and, and let people out of the Jeep. It was not exciting, bouncing around tour. We got out at, at sunset. It's beautiful. The little bunny rabbits are hopping around. The coyotes are doing coyote things. And now that area is like uh, it's a war way. zone. It's yeah. a war zone. Yeah. I've I spent many times out there in the 525 area. We have two very uh, community-minded people who live outside the city limits. And I've been out to the houses and to see the devastation, to see. I mean, it's just hard. Not only do we have the ATVs ripping up the roads, but those who've been out there would see that the trees on either side of these new roads are dead because the dust that's kicked up lands on our, uh, the foliage, uh, lands on the trees, and then we don't have any rain here, unfortunately. So the trees never get washed off, and the trees die from lack of oxygen. Yeah, and the other, out in those areas, it's already, I mean, the forest is, is sort of illegal in many places to take your motorized vehicle off an actual Forest Service road, but the Forest Service... And the areas and the other, and not just here, but then the other government agencies that govern lands that's open to the public in Arizona don't have the law enforcement or the people to go and, and say, yes, yes, you can drive along Forest Route 525, and there may be signs. I know they've added additional signage in areas that says no off off-road travel allowed or whatever it is, but that doesn't stop people who, who look around and say, hey, there's nobody stopping me. I'm going to head across the country. The whole point of ATVs is, is ripping in, up yeah. the landscape. Yeah. You know, why else do you get one if you, you know, you could do it, like you say, an electric vehicle. Um, I wanted to ask, change the subject before okay. we get back to hardcore issues in Sedona, because one of our listeners yeah. asked me to ask you, what is your sense of the mood of the community? I'm not quite sure what they meant, but that was the question. What is your sense of the mood of the community now? I, I don't understand the question either without being really more specific. But um, I don't have a sense except for the, the people that I engage with. I've been going out and talking with people for, for campaigning, but even beforehand for the I don't know how many months now. Those who are informed understand what's going on. It seems that the people who uh, are against everything have a totally different agenda in their mind, whatever that agenda is, whether to take, have con uh, control over our government just to say that they do without having any understanding of what our government is and how we work. They don't understand about budgets. They don't understand about much of what we're doing. Uh, those who are here understand, and those who are here have been here for years, I think get it. And they realize, they understand about home rule. They realize the importance of it. The last time it was voted on four years ago, I believe the number was 65% voted to, in support of home rule because it just makes sense. Who wants all this money to come in and you can't spend it?
people complain about, well, we have no place for our employees to live. I keep going to my restaurant and they're closed at, you know, one day a week because they don't have employees. Well, then we need workforce housing. Not to say that we need workforce housing all in Sedona. We, it needs to be a, a global approach in the Verde Valley. We need to have places in, in, in uh, Cornville, in uh, uh, Camp Verde, in Cottonwood, in Clarkdale. We need to work together, and that's why we recently hired a, uh, a housing manager that's been working with Cottonwood and us, and who's been very successful in securing some loans already. But people because there's a weakness, right? Of, of people say, well, they can go live in Cottonwood, but then there's a weakness in, in affordable housing expensive. in Cottonwood. Right. right. Well, what happened uh, because of uh, short-term rentals is the workforce housing that we did have here, the few that we had here, have all been evicted. They've all had to leave. So they have to go somewhere because they have, they're gainfully employed. They want to work. It's a, it's a wonderful thing when other places around the country, they say, nobody wants to work here. We have people who want to work. They have no place to live. You shouldn't be able to go to work every day and then have to go live in your car in the forest. There's something wrong with that. So, you know, but it's a valley-wide issue that we need to work together, and we are doing that. There's a whole plan, but some people just don't seem to want to understand that. They see, keep saying, well, let let the workforce housing live somewhere else. Well, I worked in, in San Francisco. I worked in L.A. I worked on Long Island, and I drove 45 minutes. Uh, that's true, but we, there's nothing 45 minutes here. here. So we're, we're landlocked for employees. We're landlocked for our services. You can't go past Camp Verde without having to go drive down to Black Canyon City or someplace south. You, no one's going to come from Black Canyon City to come work in Sedona. Or Flagstaff. Or Prescott. Flagstaff. Or, right. Or yeah. Jerome. You're not going to come over the mountains every day. Some people do do it, but it's not the desired effect. You know, when I, uh, I, back when I drove Jeeps and uh, we had uh, – I was stationed sometimes out at the Enchantment Resort. We had a series of, of uh, 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 young people who were concierge. And a lot of them would live in Flagstaff, and they would never stay. Within six months or a year, the drive up and down the canyon was too much for them. It was the people who lived here or had housing here who stayed at their jobs. At least that was my, my impression. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. Flagstaff is the perfect place. It's a college town. They, all those stu- students becoming, they could come down the, uh, the switchbacks and work here for part-time jobs. They're not going to be working in our doctor's offices. They're not going to be working in our lawyer's offices. They're not going to be working full-time jobs. But when school's over, they're gone anyway. We need people who live here and want to work here. Right. Um, I guess the, the dark side of, of people that we talked a little bit about bothers me, I guess, more than some people. But I, I you had published um, on Nextdoor uh, Bob Oliphant's story about um, – what was happening with Yavapai College, which has been a continuing issue years ago. We broke the story. Bob is a lawyer. He's a brilliant guy with a law professor. And um, uh, I guess that wasn't his best written piece. But the next thing I noticed, somebody is denouncing you as if you wrote it. And it's clear that you didn't write it. You just are showing people what's going on. And then somebody denounces you for, your, for the way you wrote it. And you didn't write it. I, that's very frustrating to me, Scott. To me, too. And th- now the college is one of the many organizations or groups or governments that are pulling from Sedona. That's what I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Everybody wants to pull from Sedona. They don't really they, – they don't have the, Sedona's best interests, and the college is one of them. It's been an ongoing uh, issue for years and years, way before I ever uh, arrived here. Mm-hmm. And that 
the college, from my understanding, from talking to Bob Oliphant, is that of all the money that our residents do pay a property tax to our college. Yes, they do. Okay, they There's all pay no that. property and, tax area right, to them. And if you're in Yavapai County, whatever you pay, only 5% comes back to our side of the Mingus Mountains. That's frustrating. Okay, it's very frustrating. So you do a good thing and you, and you publish Bob's piece right. in next door, informing people what's going on with the college and with changes, and then you get denounced for having your, your writing when you didn't write a piece. I mean, it's frustrating as, a, you know, as, just, as just a radio well, person watching that. Well, that's I, the I, issue with online comedy. People comment without really reading what they're commenting on and understanding. Right. I've seen right. several other people in that thing where you repost someone else's work right. and, you know, for, because you want to inform people. And they could be totally opposed. In that case, you were posted something you were agreeing with and explaining, but you could have posted for information something you were completely opposed to, and then people assume, oh, that's how Scott thinks, because he right. reposted it, and they don't read the fact that I'm posting this because this is wrong, <laughs> or I'm posting this because and, this and guy what, has a good idea. What other issues, yeah. Scott, that we haven't, we're running out of yeah. time, that yeah. we haven't discussed that, that are close to your heart here? Well, short-term rentals is close to my heart and everybody's heart. I feel that the short-term rentals... That was forced upon us by the state legislature, uh, along with forcing that and removing local control, which is just crazy. That's going to be the ruination of our city, I mm -hmm. believe. And we've tried this year uh, again and again, uh, well, every year, I should say, to have a, a cap instituted by the state on how many short-term rentals we can have. But there's so much pushback from the state and now there's pushback from the, uh, the state uh, real estate board. They're pushing back against us. Why? I have no idea. I could just assume that they're doing so well with their, uh, their uh, commissions. But that's a, an assumption on my part. You know, what the realtors board has been – I've been engaged with them for 20 years, and they tend to be very anti-environmental and not – Pro-development. Not yeah. Yeah, pro-development no matter what, no matter where. Right. They're always in favor of mm -hmm. it, and, and I think that's – in part yeah. what you're seeing, but I, I understand your frustration. One, one thing we probably just want to say before we let Scott make some closing remarks is that the, there is an election in August and the primary date on August for these city uh, offices for the mayor's race and the city council. And if any city council candidate or a mayor's candidate gets 50% of the vote in August, 50% plus, plus one, plus one, plus one, then they don't have to run again. Otherwise, there will be runoffs in November. And since there are quite a few people running, we may be looking at November runoffs for this. So it's really important, council, yeah. really important to get out and vote on that August ballot if to be you know, try to get these races over and done with, so we can the new the new people can start to think about what they will do. Once they actually take office. So we will give you, Scott, a minute and a half to sum it I, I, up. It's, it's a 45-minute show, basically, but it goes by really quickly. It does. I just want to end the, the conversation about short-term rentals to say that I felt, along with some of the other council members, that we needed to hire a lobbyist. And to help us, the League of Cities and Towns represents 91 cities throughout the state, not just Sedona. We needed to hire a lobbyist. I supported hiring a lobbyist. This year, we had four bills come up to the state Senate, and three have failed. One is still, as of today, still active that would give us some of the uh, uh, ordinances that we need. Some wouldn't give us a cap because that's failed, but, uh, but other things that we need. And uh, I feel we wouldn't have come this far this year without that lobbyist. I think it was a very worthwhile thing to do. Well, thank you for being with us. Again, the uh, door uh, golf. 
uh, fundraiser. 90 bucks is a really good price. You get uh, breakfast with that. Um, I inc- it, this is the last day, folks, but I think if you call in, uh, maybe you can get it extended or maybe it's not filled out yet. Um, the other the other thing is we want to thank the Yavapai County Democrats for their support. We want to thank Gore for their support. And uh, El Portal uh, has been a long-term supporter of, of Sedona. They uh, hosted our fundraiser. We really appreciate that. I hope that Sedona will continue to be as successful as it is. I, it, Sedona has the problems, I guess, of a successful city, not of an unsuccessful city. Um, all our shows, vvid.org, podcast. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.